What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are here on this Wednesday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Kyle Krabs, also made for football watching. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, Hump day on the show. Yep. Happy Veterans Day. Shout out to uh, all the wonderful military people, past and present. Yes. Thank and you future. for, for yeah. your sacrifice and, and commitment to our country. Yeah. Uh, what a. So now let's talk about college football coaches that uh, should be fired or are on the hot seat. <laughs> be mean to mean to college coaches. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, I went. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to work through the Power Five, and Kyle and I have independently come up with. The coaches that we think should be canned, and I've got, I got some guys that, are, that I think their seats are warming up. So we're going to work through that conference by conference and um, see where we agree, where we disagree, and um, should be fun. We going to start with the Lord's Conference, the ACC. Why on earth is that the, your the Lord's Conference? I don't know. It's your it's your assigned conference for yeah the regions for the draft network for scouting regions. So I figured you would appreciate a little bit of love to the ACC this morning. Alphabetically it's first. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, okay. I, okay. So I have one that needs to go and I have two that I think their seats are warm. Where are you? Do you have, uh, is it a longer list than that? Or are you? No, I had one clear and obvious needs okay. to go. Dino Babers got to go. Yeah, this, it, the, the program has, dramatically regressed 24 and 33 Kyle 24 and 33 he had the 10 win season in 2018 but my guy has not had a winning season in any of the other four years and I just it's just not coming together and I listened to his messaging and I think that's where I can really appreciate why I believe Dino Babers should be fired I listened to this guy lie to me lie to me right in my face he told me last year at ACC media day that his defense was gonna be a top tier unit and they stink Kyle and his offense is not working I mean he missed he missed out big time I mean uh who's the quarterback they have right now he's horrible he's oh uh, yeah Rex Culpepper is the backup right Rex Culpepper should probably be the starter to be honest because he came in and threw a touchdown but (sighs) (laughs) so they hit on this quarterback he's a four-star recruit he's he can't play I don't know, Kyle. It's just they're not competitive. They're one and seven this year, 24 and 33 overall. That includes a 10 and three season. And I mean, he felt it felt like this program was on the upswing, but 2018 was a fluke. And I I don't know. I I think it's hard to win at Syracuse. Not many people have, but I don't think it's going to happen with Dino Bay. And there's a difference between not winning and just generally speaking, not being competitive, right? Like this team, they lost a close game to BC last week, but they lost thirty-four to four or thirty-eight to fourteen to Wake Forest. 
Clemson was merciful with them in only scoring 47 points. Liberty beat them by 17. North Carolina <laughs> scored, what, 27 points, 28 points in five minutes? Yeah. Yep. Tommy DeVito, the name of that quarterback. It's his name escaped me in the moment there, but Tommy DeVito. So, yeah, and I think the the warm seat, Justin Fuente, is there. Yes. 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 Um, can I? I got to have this one, man. You know, I go ahead. This is this is this is the Lord's conference. So you go ahead. This is whatever you need to get off your chest right now. This is the time, you know, and I think I think a lot of lockdown, you know, or draft dudes, listeners know that I'm not been a big Justin Fuente fan, and I'm not suggesting today that he should be fired. But I think Virginia Tech has to ask themselves, you know, what path is this program on? He came in and look, they win 10 games in year one, nine games in year two. And then in 2018, Justin Fuente at six and seven delivered the first losing season at Virginia Tech since 1992. And it was in that season where, look, I understand People, people are different year to year, right? You get different players, especially in the college level. And he was you know, still relatively new in his tenure there. But when you start to look at where the recruiting trajectory was going, and, and at that point, I was concerned with it. Last year, Kyle, or, or going into this year, Fuente delivered the number 61 recruiting class in college football. That is unacceptable. At Virginia for, Tech. For Virginia Tech. Completely unacceptable when you're in year five of your tenure there. You saw some of the game day issues. One of the most egregious losses I've ever seen last week against Liberty. That sequence at the end of the game. So I think he's got game day issues. He's not recruiting well. I mean, overall, 37 and 23 is not horrible. But I just feel like if, if, if Virginia Tech wants to get to the point where, you know, this is a team that's competing for ACC championships, I have major question marks about Justin Fuente being the type of coach that can get you there. Let me ask you this. You said this was the first losing season in 2018 since 1992. That's right. Beamer's second year, I think, there. Virginia Tech right now is 4-3. and three. Have you seen their remaining schedule? Uh, tell me about it. They're home against number 9 Miami. Mm-hmm. They're on the road against Pittsburgh. Tough they're, game. They're home against number 4 Clemson. Hmm. And then they have Virginia. Anything can happen in the, uh, they call it the Commonwealth Cup, right? I don't know what they call it. I just yeah. know it's a super underrated rivalry. But Oh, it's glorious. Virginia won for like the first time in a million years last year, actually. Yeah, I know. I, I did that when we did the, the pick them, and I got some criticism for it. But oh, you yeah. won the war, but I won that individual. <laughs> Weird time to bring up pick em, Kyle. battle. <laughs> So they're going to be average this year. They might be like a. They, they're probably going to have a losing season. Yeah. So two of the I mean, last unless they get years. a bowl win and go back to 500. Yeah. Do you remember how they can, kept their bowl streak going? They yes. like rescheduled the game against the School of the Blind the last week of the season. Yeah. And, Snuck and, that last one in there to get the sixth win. So they can go lose in the military bowl. Uh, yeah. So I look. Fuente is like at ultimatum status for me. Like you get next year, you better recruit and deliver like a top 25 class and, uh, and show, you know, show some confidence here that you can get this team to the point where it's competing for an ACC title. Are you ready to shift gears? 
I just got to mention Dave Doran. I think he should be on the hot seat as well. Okay, fair enough. And, NC State. Uh, I know mostly he's been good, but I think I think NC State has to ask them what type of program they want to be. And here's where I go back to, Kyle. I go back to 2017. Do you remember that year? Cole Kublik said that before the season, he predicted NC State to be in the college football, college football playoff. playoff. Everybody yep. lost their mind. From a talent perspective, they he were wasn't wrong. He was absolutely not wrong. So I look at a, a middling coach, and I look at a guy who absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, underachieved in 2017 and 2018 with an NFL roster in the ACC. Wasn't competitive against tougher teams. And now they're like, you know, four and eight last year. They're four and three this year. I don't know. If you want to be a six, seven, eight win team, then just roll with Dave Dorn. If that's what you want to be, roll with him. But I, I don't know that he has a high ceiling with where he can take this program based on what he didn't achieve in 2017 and 2018. Which, if we're being honest, is probably the ceiling for NC State anyway. Today's episode is brought to you by Axon Taser. Whenever you're away from home taking a family road trip or getting some outdoor adventures, you need to plan for the safety of you and your family. Taser gives you the tools you need to protect yourself safely. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse, and yet they are still nonetheless powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as, you as much as your attacker, and it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send a response team to your GPS location upon firing. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. You can get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL to save 15%. That's taser.com promo code NFL to save 15%. T-A-S-E-R dot com. Restrictions apply. Please see the site for details. And that's, I think, that's where I'm really interested to go with the discussion moving forward in some of these other conferences because I think that's the question, is what's good enough? What, what are you willing to accept from your football program? And for some teams, maybe that's it. But when you can get upper, I mean, from a talent perspective, those NC State teams were top 10 in the country. I just want to see you be able to deliver when you have the type of pieces in those years that can, you know, really change the entire course of a program. Right. All right. I'm Big done 12. With the ACC. Yeah. Big <laughs> Let's 12. go somewhere else. Uh, Tom Herman. See you later. Oh man. Okay. So let me just tell you this. I didn't have any coaches that I thought absolutely should be fired today. Tom Herman. Okay. Let's go get on your soapbox. They are ready for, this, this is one – they're like Michigan, right? One of those programs who perennially is going to win 9-10 games, but it's not good enough. And it comes back to that question that we just said a team like NC State has to ask themselves. Texas has the answer to the question. They just don't know who the right person is to do it. Now, you could get into kind of the wild and crazy – dynamics of the big 12 and how Oklahoma being what they were was really the only general roadblock from Texas having the breakthrough that they needed to, to get back into a national scale. But every year this team loses some dumb game 
mm-hmm. that they have no business losing. Do you know what their record is against Gary Patterson and TCU? What are they, 0-3? Or 0-4 now under Tom? Her, Tom might have one win. So you can't expect to be a perennial college football playoff contender and not be able to beat TCU. You can't do it. Kyle, you said 9-10 wins is this, like the type of team that Texas can be under Tom that, Herman. That's the team that they are. They've but only won 10 games once. There's seven wins, 10 wins, eight wins, and they're five and two so far this year. Okay. Well, there you go. Further proves my point. <laughs> they get a, I mean, unranked Texas potentially in two of the four seasons. And I mean, let's face it, not 2019, they finished ranked at 25th. But yeah. We, is that the standard the, or not? <laughs> we won the Sugar Bowl right. against a Georgia team that didn't want to be there went to sleep and was feeling sorry for themselves because they got left out of the playoff because they lost their playoff game when they played in the sec championship game and everybody was all huzzah about it. And then they (laughs) laid the greatest egg of all time playing Texas in the sugar bowl. And Sam Ellinger gets up on the podium and says, we're back. And then they lose five football games. Oh man, that that's a classic moment. Is there somebody you like for this job? Like, is there a name that comes to mind when you think, okay, this is the guy that I identify that I think can really get Texas to prominence? Any team that's we're going to propose to have a vacancy, the coach I'm going to pick is Urban Meyer. He's coming back. Are you so? Are you convinced of that? I'd like to believe it. If if you can get Urban Meyer, then this list of team coaches that should be fired Correct. is going, it's going to exponentially grow. But like, like five that remain that should stay, right? I mean, so if Urban Meyer's off the table, yeah. We we said yesterday, Luke Fickle and and Hugh Freeze are the two the two names, right? Brett Venables, if he'll ever do it. Fickle's going to Michigan, dude. Do you realize the world that will be rocked? An Ohio State guy takes a job at Michigan. Well, shouldn't have passed him over for Ryan Day. Well, Ryan Day's been pretty damn good. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But Luke Fickle going to Michigan makes it. And now we're doing right. the pod before the pod while doing the pod. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Luke Fickle makes so much sense for Michigan because his recruiting base and familiarity yeah. lies in that region. Versus, if you packed up and went to go to Texas, and now you got to uh, you got to recruit against you know the SEC starts pulling into your guys. They got Texas A and M in Texas, and uh, the Untouchables that can really go anywhere in the country and and pull any prospect that they want uh, for a, a prep hotbed like the state of Texas and Oklahoma. Like that, no, I don't think that's a good fit for Luke Fickle. Did you have any other teams in the Big 12? Because I actually did not. I don't. No. Yeah. It's it's Tom Herman's. But, you know, once they lost back-to-back games, they lost to TCU, and then they lost to Oklahoma, the Texas fan base was done with it. They said, well, get get out of here. So tough, they're, uh, they're done with them. Tough fan base to, to not be in favor with, your head coach head coach at Texas. And, listen, just the, the most important thing is making sure that your pee is the right color, right? Yeah, the hydration scale is very important. I love it. I think about it every time I piss. I know. It's weird. That is weird. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, extremely weird. Right, Big Ten, you ready for it? 
Yeah, let's do it. The Lord's other conference, the Big Ten. Okay, so this is where I think we have different conversations on the ACC because I think we have – I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with lumping Harbaugh and James Franklin together here, Penn State, Michigan. And I think this is a situation with both of those programs – and I'll get out of the way here because I know you're the Big Ten guy. But you have to ask yourself, like, are we good with Mark Richt at Georgia? Like, because that's what it feels like, at least especially for like the James Franklin part of this discussion where, look, they've won 11 games a few times, and, and but just you, you're not going to do it. You're not going to take over Ohio State with the tragic flaws that James Franklin has as a, as a game day coach. He can recruit all that stuff. I just think it's a Mark Richt at Georgia situation with Franklin at Penn State. Yeah, and Penn State, quite frankly, should be comfortable with that. Maybe not comfortable with 0-3, but James Franklin routinely pulls top what? Top 15 recruiting classes? They recruit yeah. well. He recruits very well. They have a ton of NFL talent. They've got NFL pipeline at several positions specifically. Uh, and you hope you do what? Because let's be honest. How how undifferent is Penn State to what LSU was before they caught fire, had a perfect storm and won a national championship? Yeah, that's a good – I like that. I like where you're going with that. We here at the Locked On Network have been big-time proponents of the Built brand, and Built's newest product, Built Go, just ups the ante even more. It's a workout gel that's built to help you break through your mental or physical wall each and every day. It's easy to take. It comes in a one and a half ounce package. You put it in your back pocket, in your golf bag, in your briefcase, in your glove compartment, wherever. And it's always ready to go when you are. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, and it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your system, beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, and it's built to kick all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So if you're Penn State, you're sitting here open, maybe this is the year. And before the coronavirus outbreak, and, and obviously Micah Parsons opts out, uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm around this football team from within the program that this might be one of those special years. Coming mm -hmm. off an 11-2 and two season, they beat Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Uh but like you said, you've got to hope you are so good one year that you can just blink and score against Ohio State. Because if you're in one score, closely contested football games, James Franklin's going to find a way to lose it. So you let me think about the Rose Bowl against USC when they had Saquon Ooh, Barkley there. Yeah. They should have whitewashed USC. They lost the game. Let me Think throw about, this at you. Let me throw yeah. this at you. Yep. So we're we're kind of agreeing here. 
I'm going to try to just throw a piece of information out there to see if it resets the thought process. Throw away this year so far. This team in the last four seasons has been ranked in the top 10 at the end of the year three times. They've won 11 games in three of the last four seasons. Yeah, I think that's... Does that change? I mean, I'm sure you knew that. That wasn't new information, but I don't want to sit here and pretend like we're overlooking that. Here's the problem. This stat is from two years ago, so it's even worse now. At Penn State, do you know what James Franklin's record is against ranked road teams? I'm going to guess it's bad. I have no idea how to even wonder how many games it's been, so I don't want to sound stupid. Two years ago, one and seven. As a head coach overall, between all of his stops, Vanderbilt for three years, Penn State, James Franklin is was two years ago, one and 13 as a head coach against ranked road teams. His only win as of two years ago was at Northwestern 2017. <laughs> so do you want the hollow security of beating down on Rutgers and you know they lost to Maryland this year, uh, Nebraska and Illinois and Purdue and you know, being the third best team in the East Conference every year, but you'll win ten games. I don't know. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Penn State, I make sure I get Luke Fickle. Oh, see now that's interesting. Yeah, same same principles apply. Yeah. But you, I mean, you, you get to be not, you're, you're not Michigan. You're still a top 10 program, a top 10 job in the country, but you're also not miss Michigan, which probably matters for Luke. And you still get to play against Ohio state every year. Yes. And you get to play against Michigan. You're the best of both worlds, man. Speaking of Michigan, uh, Harbaugh out of here. Yes, Kyle. <laughs> and again, I think we need to, to say this. We had a blanket this statement over all these discussions. We're not being mindful of buyouts and all the the, the nuances of these contracts, sure, right? That's sure. completely absent of these conversations. But, I mean, the sample size is big enough here. I mean, the dude's lost four straight bowl games. Has no chance of touching Ohio State. They're, they're not in the same conversation. I mean, this is the Mark Rick thing, too. You want a ceiling of 10 wins? I think that I think the four straight bowl losses is very alarming. And obviously he had the peak in 2010, which checks watch 10 years ago of 12 and one at Stanford with Andrew Luck as his quarterback. 10, 10, 8, 10, 9, and now he's 1 and 2. Jim Harbaugh's only ever won two bowl games. Not his thing, huh? <laughs> his first his first year at Michigan and his last year at Stanford are the only times he's ever won a bowl game. 
So he's two and five in bowl games. Yes. Okay. I don't think many people disagree that Harbaugh should go. Let me ask you this. I think what's interesting with Harbaugh is like, what would be next for him? What do you see him doing after this? We got on, uh, was it a takes on takes on Monday? Somebody said he's going to be coaching in the NFC West uh, or the NFC East next mm-hmm. year. Like, does the NFL want him back? Is he the type of guy that is going to get a mid-level pro, you know, mid-level power five program to take over? Is he going to have to go like the, the, uh, the Lane Kiffin route and coach like group of six teams? Like, where do you see him going if he were to lose this job? Well, we had a discussion with our scouting staff yesterday in our staff meeting that came up about him potentially going to uh, the NFL as well. And um, Dre Harris was like, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll, I think he'll have a lot of suitors. I would be stunned if he has a lot of suitors because you look at how it played out with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And when he was there, they you built up to success. There was kind of this clash internally. They got rid of Trent Baalke, and but like the damage organizationally was done. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's where I get stuck with like, who's going to sign themselves up for Harbaugh as an, underachiever at the college level who burned the last NFL organization. He was a part of to the ground. That to me, just, it doesn't, doesn't vibe well for me if I'm hiring somebody and and going through the hiring process. Well, if you're Harbaugh, you say I was an NFL head coach for four years. I was 44, 19 and one. That's a a 69% winning percentage. Two division championships went to the, to the super bowl. I'm five and three in the playoffs. You have to, you have to have enough intel and enough discernment to figure out if it was, you know, if it was a bulky problem, if it was a Harbaugh problem, can Harbaugh work within the structure of your organization? Because that is no win-loss record to gloss over at the NFL level. Then why hasn't he moved back to college or to the NFL yet? I think we all thought Michigan was his dream. Dream bigger than Michigan, Jim. Ooh, you just pissed off the whole state of Michigan. <laughs> Listen, Ohio State is in a class of their own in this conference. And that, I mean, it's like, dude, we know this from the AFC East, right? We talked about this so often when at we the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins were chasing the damn Patriots for 20 years. And what did that lead to? Instability, you know, aggressive moves, putting Band-Aids on, doing anything and everything you can to compete, but you never really took an actual course to fixing things long-term. And now finally Brady's gone and it, you know, we feel really good about where Miami and Buffalo are at, but that's what's, that's what you're dealing with in this conference. And unlike the ACC, like Clemson does that in the ACC, but (laughs) you know, look, I mean, you're, you're talking about really proud programs in Michigan and Penn state, right? A lot of rich history. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, how do you, how do you factor that into it? You know, I, th- I think that's why you see some of this reluctance to make changes, right? But here's here's the thing: we t- we talk about the rich history of the Michigan program, right. <laughs> right? The rich history of the Michigan Wolverines. I'm sitting here looking at their national championships. You know, any national championships they've claimed? 
Uh, I think they had like a half, right? Didn't somebody say they had a half? So they've claimed 11 national titles. 1901, 1902, 1903, 1947, 1999. National championships since 1950, they've got four. Since 1975, they've got two. I mean, that's 45 years. You've got two in 45 years, and none, your most recent one in 1997. So, does UCF have a claimed national championship? Oh, that's a great question. Dude, I, it's so hard because I think if that's the measuring stick national championships, then you're not going to like be super impressed with Michigan. But you want to talk about like the Bo Schembechler years, the Lloyd Carr years. You're talking about 10 wins basically every damn year. That's what's tough for me. But yeah, really, since Lloyd Carr left and it's not been it's not been good. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're not. They're not winning. They're not competing for national championships. Yeah, so claimed. UCF does their Wikipedia page does have a claimed national championship in 2017 for UCF. So stupid. So now take that and compare it to Michigan. Michigan's claimed national titles are 11. Including all the weird 1901 to 1904. Four consecutive national championships. Congrats. Anyone else don't in the forget, Big Ten? Don't forget the legendary team of 1923. All right. I, I remember it like yesterday. No, James Franklin and, and Jim Harbaugh were the, the hottest seats for me. Although Scott Frost got to start thinking about it a little bit. Well, you got to get a little bit more time, right? Yeah, you got to give him a little, a little time. But uh, I don't think this is progressing the way he anticipated <laughs> losing to Northwestern. Uh, after getting shellacked by Ohio State in what year three? Yeah. Where are you on on Lovey Smith? I mean, the guy's fifteen and thirty-seven. He's a twenty-eight winning percentage. It's like, I mean, for a, a coach that's been there for like at least four years, he's like definitely the worst in the nation in terms of you know Power Five conferences. I mean, do we just have low expectations for Illinois and Lovey Smith, the coach in the NFL, so he has some appeal? Like, what's the deal here? There are no expectations for Lovey Smith. So, so he he's a figurehead and they're happy to have him and he Well, and- I think there's two different ways that you can sell recruiting, right? You can you can sell contending for titles and national championships or you can sell we're going to develop you for the NFL level. And having Lovey Smith with his pedigree I think is very helpful for them to point to the two stars from the Midwest that can't get offers from Nebraska and Michigan State to say, you know, you're competing with Purdue 
for recruits at this level. And, and you say, listen, like you're late bloomer, you need coaching. Uh, you, your body developed a little bit later than the five-star guys that are studs. We know how to develop talent and we know what NFL players look like because we've been to the NFL. So yeah. that, that for me is the recruiting pitch for lovey, but like, is anybody expecting juice Williams Illinois 10 win seasons to come back like no that was like one time was that that yeah, was, it was a, like a one and done thing yeah but it was a fun year though but yeah awesome year but yeah okay all right just want to see what your interpretation of them was so pack 12 can you okay I'll let you you go first here do you want a name or do you want do you want a rant I want a rant. No, I'm not going to give you a rant. Well, why was it an option then? Uh, just, I, I was hoping you were going to twist my arm there. Uh, USC Trojans, this is one of those programs that expects, and with their resources and their location, should be a perennial national championship contender. When's the last time USC was mm. that? Not under Helton, I don't think. I mean, the eleven and three year in twenty seventeen, maybe the Sam Darnold year that they, yeah, they lost the Cotton Bowl that year. They did, yeah. They, so that was coming off of the uh, comeback win against Penn State in the Rose Bowl the year prior. Uh, but they played Ohio State that year, and Ohio State smacked them, shellacked them. I, what I think is interesting is is whenever you look at this and you think the the further that they've gotten from Pete Carroll, right? The worse it's gotten. Yeah. So that's the thing with with Clay is I mean, year four they go five and seven, year five they go eight and five. Which eight and five at USC that's that's you're not happy with that. And you know, look, I mean, we saw this team last week against Arizona State. We have no idea what they are this year, but like. I can tell you what they are this year. They're lucky. So they shouldn't they game, should have won that game. They had no Correct. business winning that football game. Correct. Correct. What about UCLA, Kyle? Yeah, I mean. Do you need more time, Chip? I mean, he's been horrible, but. I don't. Seven and 18. Yeah, there's there's a difference between needing more time and, like, not showing a lot of life, right? And Chip, year three, game one, Colorado Buffaloes yeah. gave up 48 points. That's so Colorado, like new coach, and they didn't even like practice until the right. first. I mean, just crazy dynamics there. Like, it, it for as much as I do think Chip deserves more time, right? I mean, obviously, a, a wonderful run at Oregon, uh, that you want to see if you can recapture some of that magic at UCLA. You expect at this point in his tenure there, year three, an established program to some extent, I mean, infinitely more established in Colorado to be able to handle your business against Colorado. I mean, at the same time, if we just said Scott Frost needs more time at Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Then to be fair to Chip, because both of these programs were dumpster fires. Yes. Very high amounts of resources. Proud traditions. 
they're, they're very different as far as their locale, but you know, Nebraska used to be one of those programs that would just pull whoever they wanted. And UCLA, California, with the, the prep landscape out there, all the resources in the world. If we're going to say Scott Frost deserves more time than Chip Kelly technically deserves more time, but Joe, we looked at their schedule this year too. Mm-hmm. You know, he went three and nine in year one, four and eight in year two. 500 is going to be tough to get, which would make it three consecutive losing seasons for Chip Kelly if he doesn't get to 300. They got, they've only got five games left to play. Yeah. So next year's really important for Chip. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you got to have a winning record. You got to go to a bowl game. Their next two games are against Utah and at Oregon. Yeah. It'd be 0 3. Would, huh? would you pick them to win either no. one of those two games? No, 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 no. No, they're 0 3. So now you've got home against Arizona. You got to go to Arizona State and then you got to play USC. Yeah. One, they're one and five this year, huh? It doesn't look good. Yeah. I, I honestly, if you put, if the, if the betting odds for UCLA wins were at one and a half, I'd take the under. They had to win. They had to beat Colorado to get two wins this year. So now, I watch me eat crow. <laughs> Somebody's saving the sound bite there, I'm sure. But what about the rest of the uh, the conference here? I I didn't have anything. I I mean, you have a lot of new coaches. Um, I I don't have anything. I'm I'm I didn't feel like anybody was discussion worthy outside of Helton and Kelly, and you know, someone needs to make football in South California, California. Great again, please. All right. So urban Meyer. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> let's go. All right. Well, I'll finish up with the sec, Kyle. Yeah. This is the, the Lord's other conference. He's got a couple of them. <laughs> Means a lot in the sec, right? Where are you at on Jeremy Pruitt? Tennessee? I don't like him. I don't like him. I really don't. Um, Remember, like, remember a month ago when we were all about how Tennessee won like twelve straight games or something like that. Was yeah, like I think it was a second longest game. winning streak in the country. Well, they've lost four straight games since. Yeah, so. it, that that was a like good for them. They showed some life, but I don't like where they're headed. I really don't. I know they've had some better recruiting lately, but um, I'm not saying he should be gone. But we're we're close to ultimatum status, like. This this program has to show some real life next year. And you know, look, they've been rolling with Garantano at quarterback. They've had some other recruits. We need to see some quarterback come in and like like be above average, you know? One of these guys, these young recruits that they've been able to bring in. So <laughs> I don't know. Next year is everything for Pruitt. How soon is too soon to put Mike Leach on the hot seat? Wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> I... Dude. Oh, yeah. The air raid was going to take over the SEC because they dropped 60 on LSU without any returning starters from last year's team. Like, even Daryl Stingley didn't play in the game. And in the time that's passed since, uh, ultimate regression from quarterback play. Uh, Costello went from hero to zero. You've got... <laughs> Uh, Kylan Hill just straight up bounced and said, nah, I'm good. Thanks. And then Mike Leach after the loss says, yeah, we might need to take a little bit of time to filter out the malcontents. 
What? Dude. Dude. Have <laughs> so what did they do? They scored how many points in week one? Like 64? They beat them 44 to 34, right? Wow. 63. Where am I getting 60? I'm they're thinking of 600 something yards passing, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, 600 something yards passing. The following games 14 against Arkansas, two, two. against Kentucky, 14, 14. against AM, zero against zero. Bama, 24 against uh, Vanderbilt. Snuck out that 24 17 win over Vandy. Uh, I don't know about like, I, I'm not huge on one and duns, but. Uh... <laughs> Oh, by the way, their next two games are Auburn and Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be ugly, 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 ugly. Um, they might not yeah. win again because they got to go to Ole Miss to play Lane Train. That's going to be Lane. I mean, he's going to win that game. We can see. I know Lane can get his guys up for a game. I don't know. I, I think you got to give him next year, but if like, you don't see, if you don't see life, because it's not about players, right. With his system, that's never been the thing. Right. So he gets next year for, for me, but I don't have warm fuzzies about believing in him right now in the sec. I'd be real anxious. If I was a Mississippi state booster and I know would we paid Mike Leach to come over there and reinvent the wheel. And you're averaging hundred or you're a hundred and eleventh out of hundred and twenty-three programs this year in points per game. Mike Leach, high flying air raid offense, sixteen point three points per game. And that's with you dropping forty-four on LSU in Death Valley to open the season. Okay. I had one other name in the SEC that I thought it was discussion worthy. Okay. Will Muschamp, South Carolina. I get it. But what's the ceiling for, like, Steve Spurrier era, which the you're an 8-9 win team? That's the ceiling for South Carolina? Why, though? Is it just because they're, like, the the conference is so good? Why the can't conference you win South so, Carolina? What, what? The conference is so good, but you also have to directly compete with Clemson for recruits. If you're doing it locally, man, I just, I feel like it's okay to expect more at South Carolina. Hmm. Well, I mean, let's, let's, if you wanted to make the case, you could point to a regression in this will probably be the fourth straight year with a regression. Right. Same Muschamp, thing with Helton. The, the further we get from Spurrier, the crappier they get. So Muschamp came to South Carolina in 2016. He went 6-7. and seven. They lost in the Birmingham Bowl. 9-4 and four in 2017. They won the Outback Bowl. 7-6, and 4-8, and eight, and now they're 2-4 and four this year. Remember, 2011, 12, and 13 under Spurrier, this was an 11-win team that won four consecutive bowl games from 2011 to 2014. It, it, it does. It feels like the further we get from that Spurrier run, I know the last two years under Spurrier weren't great, but the further we get from that, the worse the team gets. And they have NFL talent, man. 
I don't know. I, I think they should be pushing for nine or ten wins every year. Okay, so who's your hire there? No, why'd you why'd you have to do that? Because that that's the other side of right. the coin. Is if you're gonna make changes, okay, but don't make the change just to make the change. Have a legitimate upgrade. And and that's for some of the, the coaches that we've talked about thus far on this show. I don't necessarily know that there's a better answer out there for some of these programs. This is what I'll say about must champ in South Carolina to kind of close this discussion. I, I have a, a source in the sec. That's one of the uh, academic advisors. And I, I, we talk about the programs all the time. And I, I asked him one time, I said, like, what's this, what's the school in the sec, obviously outside of like Vanderbilt that is really tough. Like when it comes to academics and like, they really hold their players to, a high standard when it comes to performing in the classroom. And he said, without a doubt, it's Will Muschamp in South Carolina. So I know nobody wants to be the champions of life, right? Nobody wants that. Want to win on the football field. But I think if you care about that component of coaching college football, I think Will Muschamp is severely underrated in that part of leading, you know, amateur athletes. So uh, take that for what you will. I know we want to see more on the field, but when you factor that piece into it, maybe it's not so bad. And and yeah, I mean, what what, do you, what are you going to do? You who are you bringing in? What's what's the hot shot name that's going to turn the program? If you can get you Hugh Freeze at South Carolina, I'd do that. But I mean, Hugh might have better opportunities. So your your romanticism with Hugh is fifteen and five at Liberty, man. Unsettling. It's at Liberty. What did he do before Liberty? He was good. What do you do? What do you do before Liberty? He, look, he he had some questionable tactics <laughs> at oh, Ole Miss. Okay. Okay. Right? okay. Look, I know he's look. He's thirty nine and twenty five at Ole Miss. Which I mean, Muschamp is twenty eight and twenty nine at South Carolina, fifty six and fifty overall in the SEC. Okay. I mean, he's had one double digit winning season in eight. Complete seasons as a head coach in the SEC. His programs get worse the longer he's there. Finishing just, out at, I mean, look at the way he finishes Florida. Team got worse and worse to getting worse and worse in South Carolina. I just think it's a little risky to romanticize a 7 0 2020 Liberty Flames football club to put <laughs> Hugh Freeze on the pedestal that you seem ready to put him on. That's all. that a wrap? We done here? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, now that we've worked our way through the Power Five conferences and undoubtedly said something unsettling about somebody who listens to this show, we apologize. And remember, we want the best for everybody. We want everybody to have national championships. But that's right. In the grand scheme of things, probably ain't going to happen. So expectations at the college level are um, are a funny thing. Right. Because there, there's, you know, I thought you did a great job, Joe, talking about the academia with South Carolina. And that's important to a lot of people because at the end of the day, they are student athletes and getting set up for success, uh, both on the field and off the field, carries different weights at different programs. Um, but if we were looking at it from an X's and O's and a winning pro- program perspective, those would be the coaches that Joe and I would most likely 
give some consideration to maybe making a change. We hope you guys enjoyed today's college football-centric episode of The Draft Dudes. Uh, Joe, tomorrow night, we have Would You Rather uh, mm-hmm. live YouTube, 730. Very excited. Much excite, right? Uh, Much excite. Yeah, very nice. Looking forward to all of your painful hypotheticals. That's what that <laughs> show is all about as we pregame with our friends at Mighty Swell. Thursday night football. So make sure you tune in. We got another episode of the show tomorrow as well. So lots of great stuff between now and the start of the weekend of college football. Kyle Krabs, Jordan. Thanks as always for listening to the draft dudes pod.